Welcome to the favorites, the podcast from the Volume Network, Colin Cowherd's Volume Network. I am Chad Millman. I'm going to be joined by my BFF, my companion, my brother in arms, Mr. Simon Hunter. Don't say hello yet, Simon, because today we are also going to be talking Oscars and one of our many Action Network Oscar experts is Chris Raybon, who goes so deep into the Oscars, I actually wonder when he has time to do any other work at all that he does specifically on our NBA betcasts, on our NBA uh, live pregame show Heat Check, with all the fantasy stuff he's doing for the NFL, et cetera, et cetera. But I will say one of the best podcasts we did last year was the in-depth Oscar podcast on Action Network. And Raybon was a part of that, along with Colin Wilson and Caroline Smith and Katie Rich Creek. It's like they were deep into different categories of music. That's how deep they go. So we'll talk a little bit about Oscars. Uh, but first, my man, Simon, I have so much to discuss with you. Chad, I have a first question. Do you know what today is? Yes, I know what today is. Okay, so we got that out of the way. At what age did Chad By the way, first? Do you want to? Do you want to tell people like we're recording this on Tuesday, four twenty? Is that what you're Sunday. trying to get at? Yeah, I would just love to know Chad the first time Chad had smoked marijuana because you seem the kind of guy that would call the cops on himself and say that he's dying. So I would love to hear the story of the first time Chad took a puff of the devil's lettuce. Gosh, I mean, I'm old, remember? So yeah. it's hard for me to... Tell me about the 70s. It, it was definitely some point in the 80s. I would venture to say 87, 88, something like that. And then there was like a good two decades where I didn't bother. And then edibles became much more prevalent and much more accessible. So uh, that became something that, um, you know, I would partake in more often. Oh, wow. Look at you, modern man. Yeah, keep it away from your kids though, guys. That's the, it's on the packaging, edibles. Keep them away from your kids. Listen, my kids are teenagers. I don't want to know. <laughs> I don't need to know. We've all got our own lives to live. You know what I'm saying? Amen. Um, are you going to celebrate all day today? Is that what you're telling me? No, I'm too old for that. You know what I'm going to celebrate today? I'm going to buy more Dogecoin. That's what I'm going to do today. How much Dogecoin have you bought since Doge Day? I could retire right now and live happily. Shut up. No, I, I, I put way more than a normal person in because I love that it was a meme. And I told you my rule of thumb with investing is if Elon Musk tweets about it, you put a thousand dollars into it. So. <laughs> I've, I've put a decent amount into douche. What's it trading at today? Uh, before we came on, it was just above uh, 39 cents. And it, yesterday it was at like 40, uh, but it would have been like at fractions of a penny before, right? Yeah, 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 yeah. The future is very weird, Chad. The future is unbelievably weird. I have now bought uh, Bitcoin and Ethereum. Those are my two crypto holdings. Super excited about it. Pretty soon, China is going to be creating a national digital currency. Uh, I read that this morning. A lot, of hap a lot happening in the speculative markets. And we'll get to that. 
and many, many more things. As you noted, I was away last week, as we talked about before I came on. I was touring colleges with my older son, which was very exciting. I also ventured out into the world. I went to the Celtics Warriors game on Saturday night. It was amazing. Regular season game of the year. But more importantly, Simon, while I was away, we had an Action Network All Hands, Action Network Town Hall. At these town halls, every new employee that had been hired since the last town hall will introduce themselves with a game that we call Two Truths and a Lie. Pretty standard game. A lot of companies use it. Introduce people, get them loosening up, you know, create some warmth, that kind of stuff. Uh, and what happens is the new employee has to put out three comments and their new colleagues have to guess which of the three comments is a lie. So this week, Simon, while I was away, unfortunately, you were introduced uh, and you had three amazing notes. I want you to tell the group, uh, Matt Mitchell is on, Raybon is waiting in the wings. Uh, we have two members of Team Volume uh, in Connor Davidson, former Action Network uh, employee, now uh, on to bigger and better things at Volume and uh, Rory from Volume. So um, I want you to give your three comments and I guess Raybon and Mitchell, you can't guess because you were in the meeting. So I'll try to guess, but please give your comments. I thought the rule of the all hands meeting was you don't talk about what happens in the all hands meeting. You're a terrible employee. Guy, I can do whatever I fucking want. <laughs> it was three, you had to give three things. So my three things were I had a pint with Ed Sheeran. I've been bit by a shark. And I go skydiving every weekend. Well, obviously, you don't go skydiving every weekend, but I will, I will, that is going to be my guess. Uh, do we want Rory and Connor to weigh in as, as people who don't know anything yet? Going skydiving too, for sure. Yeah, I mean, for sake of being contrarian, uh, I'm going to fade the public. I'm going to say you've never been bitten by a shark. That's, yeah, so I did have a drink with Ed Sheeran. Uh, I wish it was an epic, cool story about me and a night out with Ed, but it was a classic. Me and my cousin met up with his buddy who went to college with Ed Sheeran's best friend. We had maybe true drinks before we and him left to go get dinner together. So I hung out with him for maybe an hour and a half. It was before he was famous, too. It was in 2011. But I, I literally talked to the guy for maybe two minutes. Um, and then I don't even know. Maybe it was two, three years later. I was like the biggest star in the world. So but wait, the a, shark second. Buddy, wait a second. What? Uh... If you guys had two drinks and you were with him for an hour and a half, what did you guys talk about? Um, I mean, dude, it's life. So like, because I was American, I remember he was asking me, um, he was asking me about NBA. And at the time it was the Miami Heat. Um, someone was like, Eddie sings. And I was like, this little ginger does not sing. And he goes, I swear he sings. And he started singing. They're like, oh, you know how he sings? Isn't he magical? And I was like, oh my God, this is incredible. Um but again, I didn't know who he was like, like they told me he was big in England. Like my cousin did. He was like, that guy's going to be huge in England. Um, but I didn't really know who he was. So like if I would have known it was Ed Sheeran, who he is now, dude, I would have hung I would have tried to hang out for the whole week. But like it was just one of those where, like we passed, we had a beer and then I was going to dinner anyway. So it was like not one of those like memorable nights out. 
Uh, you would have had him sign your Pikachu card and then you could double down on your uh, memorabilia. Uh, if it's 1.43 in the afternoon, which it is right now, there's probably an Ed Sheeran song on and he is probably making more than you have invested in Dogecoin this very hour. Uh, all right. You had a pint with Ed Sheeran. What about uh, getting bitten by a shark? Uh, so after... I mean, during my glory days, high school, that was our thing with surfing. So you'd booze and then you'd wake up and go get and go surf. But in New Jersey, there's not a lot of waves. So half the time you would just go out there and just hang on your surfboard. So I was laying on my surfboard. I had my arms hanging off, like just being a bum, like talking to my buddy. And then all of a sudden, just shooting pain in my hand. And I lifted out of the water and it's just not even that big. It's maybe a foot long, but it's a baby shark. And he was like, oh, he's like, dude, he's like, He's like, don't, don't, uh, don't rip it out. It's going to rip your hand off. So I just had to stand there holding it like that. And he came over and just like pried its mouth open and like it finally just let go. But no real scarring, like there's indents. But it happened when I was 17. And I probably told every chick for the rest of the summer I was a shark attack survivor, even though I was a baby shark. So you pulled your hand out of the water and were holding the shark up in like in your hand. It was holding onto your hand. I was just in pure shock. Like it was one of those where like, you know, people either freak out and start flailing. I pulled it out and like, it, it took me about a minute to process it. Cause I'm just like looking at this thing on my hand and I, it looks so alien. Cause like, it's not like you think of a shark. It's like, uh, it was like slimy and oozy. It was just like really weird, the body shape. And I was like, what is happening right now? Cause I was still like, you know, out of it, hung over. And my buddy so calmly swung, like swam over and he was like, He's like, oh, yeah, man, no problem. Like, as if it happens every day to him, he just, like, took it off my hand. But at the time, I was freaking out because I, you know, not that I thought I was going to lose my hand, but at the time, I was like, this thing's about to take my pinky off. So it was definitely scary in the moment. Listen, as someone who's broken his pinky, had to go through rehab, you lose it, it's no big deal. All right, so clearly, uh, you don't go skydiving every weekend. No, I hate heights. I am terrified of heights. Even, like, the basics of like going up on the ladder to put the Christmas lights up. I'm happy to pay someone way too much money to do that. Cause that's how scared of heights I am. All right. We got to get to Raybon. And I think it's interesting that Raybon is on today. Chris Raybon, one of our many, many bright talents at action network covering the NFL, covering the NBA, covering the Oscars. Look this morning, I went to get my younger kid at 7am, woke him up for school. As soon as I walked out of his room, he yelled, dad, wait, then he read to me a tweet that he saw because the first thing he does in the morning is check out the Twitter. And it was uh, a report that Jordan Love is being traded to the Patriots. It was like a, I don't know if it was true or not. It was a piece of paper that said, this is a uh, early, early draft of a draft day, proposed draft day trade for Jordan Love to the Patriots. What do people think of that? It's definitely out there, but it just looks so silly when you look at the Packers and they went to the NFC Championship game last year. And maybe if they had one more receiver that they drafted in that with that Jordan Love pick, he would have gotten open and Aaron Rodgers wouldn't have decided to run the ball uh, on that, you know, what was it, third or fourth and goal. And he would have found that receiver and Tom Brady wouldn't have another ring. So, I mean, it just is a reminder that the Packers screwed up last year. The Patriots, I mean, they're just they're out, they're just desperate. I mean, they, they, they don't have a quarterback. Cam Newton doesn't count. Simon, what would you think of a trade like that? 
I guess for the upside, I'd like it, but it's all about what you're giving up. I mean, they spent a first-round pick. Like you just said, a wasted first-round pick on that guy when they had so many players on the board to help Rodgers with. So I don't believe it. I think that teams, when they screw up like that, they just ride out the screw-up. So to me, they're going to ride out another year of Rodgers and see what he can do. And if they just get the littlest, the slightest indication that there's a decline, they're going to get rid of him. So I, I I can't see them just moving him after one year of sitting on the bench. It's a great move for the Patriots, though, because, like, you know if they try to draft, like, an offensive player with an early draft pick, they're going to screw it up anyway. It's going to be, like, Nikhil Harry or, like – like, they, it's never worked out for them when they're draft like, they passed on – what is it, Lamar Jackson and drafted Sony Michelle, who was like, okay, great, you know, he's a running back, but they always screw up these skill position picks in the draft, so it probably wouldn't be too bad for New England. All right, are you guys ready? Let's talk some Oscars because here's what I want to do, Rayvon. I I want to talk about the big categories like best picture, best director, best actor, best actress, supporting actor, supporting actress. Then I want you to give me like your one, no one's paying attention to this. I've done all the research. I don't care how popular of category it is. Lock. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> all right. Gotcha. You do that? Yeah. Right. I mean, there are no such thing as lock, Chad, but- I would do my best. You're going to do your best. With, with you, there are. Like, you know, it's a lock yeah. that you're a charming ray of sunshine. I appreciate that. I feel like nobody's vibing with me today. All right. Well, are you high? Because we are. No, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> Hasn't happened to me yet today. It's still early, though. It's only, it's only 1.50 in the afternoon. Here we go. Best picture. Here's what's crazy about this year. I've seen like three of these movies. Nomadland, that's the one with Frances McDormand about her nomad-like existence in the American West. The Trial of the Chicago Seven, which is the Aaron Sorkin movie that stars uh, Sasha Baron Cohen. And it's about um, the, the people who were charged with starting a riot in Chicago in 1968. Minari... I don't know Minari. Sounds Minari. familiar, but I don't know it. Minari. It's about uh, it's about this uh, Asian couple uh, family that comes over and uh, they're trying to build, you know, the American dream, and, and they suffer through a lot of different um, uh, hardships along the way. Um, but it's a really good movie. All right, uh, promising young woman. Ooh. What is that? Ooh. Simon, have you seen it? Uh, I I. It's on the list. Like I watched, I try to get watch these movies to catch up to this thing. I, that was the one that didn't make the cut because I, I literally watched No Man Land. I'm like, all right, I, I don't know if I'm the right headspace to go back to back on these movies. <laughs> Promising Young Woman is like the the controversial movie of this Oscar season. I guess you could say it's about uh, Carrie Mulligan stars as a woman who essentially uh, goes to clubs and, and, and party spots and pretends to be drunk. So she can trick guys into trying to sexually, um, you know, come on to her different. She gets you lets it get to different levels before she kind of wakes up and is like, what the hell are you doing? And then um, but but we kind of find out the reason why she's doing this um, is due to something that happened in in the past. And then she goes on kind of a, a whole without spoiling it, you know, a whole kind of journey to to avenge some some past demons and uh it gets it gets pretty crazy but it's 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 a very 
very uh, controversial content, I guess you could say. So that's that's kind of the controversial movie of the year. That's what people need to know. Um, that could affect voters. I'm going to check that one out. For it's good. It's really good. Mank, I saw that was about Herman Mankiewicz, who wrote the movie Citizen Kane. Uh, celebrated, celebrated movie. Felt a little bit inside Hollywood to me. Uh, thought it was yeah. really good, but it was surprised that it got as many nominations as it did. Judas and the Black Messiah. Um, that is also about. Uh, what is that about again? It's the same thing as it's like similar to the trial of Chicago yes. seven. It's about uh, Fred Hampton and, uh, that's right. and the black Panthers in the, yeah. So same, that's right. Same kind of subject matter. That's right. And then the sound of metal. That's my favorite movie of the year. I, like if you haven't seen that movie, it's super dark. It's about a guy who's like a metal band drummer and he goes deaf. It's not a feel good movie at all. Like it's not one of those where like the end you feel good. It, it's literally one of these that kind of stay with you for a couple of days and you like think back on which I like for movies because it's it's a deep movie. So it's actually brings me to like you just said with these Oscars, uh, we've never had one like this where it's like, you know, like we can say people went to the movies. Chad, Chad's here saying he didn't see many. Like a lot of us are in this boat where we haven't seen a lot of these movies. For me, the, the best film editing of Oscars 2021, these odds are found on DraftKings. Mm-hmm. Sound and Metal right now is the favorite at minus 118. And then Trial of the Chicago 7 is minus 110. I love Sound of Metal so much. And the editing in this movie is insane. Like, I don't want to ruin it again for people, but it's very unique the way they did that movie. I feel like it's a lock to win best film editing at uh, minus 118. Simon has already come in here and, you know, shark attack in my order. There's one more movie on the list. The Father. I don't need any help from anyone. All I want is for everyone to fuck off. It looks like it's at plus 10,000 with an implied probability of 1%. Thank God you got that in, Chad. I want to be thorough. I want people to know. Like, I have seen it getting some love in different categories. And I think that one actually has some, like, sleeper appeal. Just not, maybe not necessarily in Best Picture, but um, just because it was one of the last ones to to come out, I think um, it's not always reflected in the odds as, like, some of the ones that have been out for longer. All right. So, Raybon, go ahead and answer what Simon's question was. Best film editing. That was one of the ones, like when you said, you know, kind of mention a random category, Chad, I was looking at that one too, because it's one of these ones where I like to look at gold derby, which is, you know, you have experts that kind of do this every year and they're pretty decent at at predicting the the winners. It's kind of like looking where the sharp money is going. Uh, And they have Sound of Metal uh, just over half of the experts. So it's still, it is a, you know, close call, but, um, you know, it's more than the implied odds, which you know, are essentially giving it like a 50-50 shot with, with, uh, with, what, what is, what is the other one? The, the uh, trial, trial of Chicago. Yeah, the trial. Yeah. And I, I mean, I don't know. I felt like trial of Chicago seven has just been a little overrated this whole Oscar season. So I don't know how to treat it. Like some people think it's going to win best picture and I just see it kind of interspersed through all, like as a contender in almost every category. And I, it's hard to get a read truly on if, that what's really going to be the case or it's just because it was, it kind of fit the bill for the, for the longest this season. So um, yeah, I think there's value definitely on, on sound and metal. That's usually that like the editing category is usually one where, you know, something that doesn't necessarily win a, a best picture uh, or win a bunch of awards could still win in that category. So yeah, I like, uh, I'm with you, Simon. It's interesting that you say that about the trial of the Chicago seven, 
Um, I do want to get to best picture because uh, that's obviously the headliner. Uh, I, I admittedly, I only saw three of the 10 movies or however many movies are on this list, nine movies. I saw Nomadland, Chicago 7. I saw Mank. Um, and Chicago 7, I, I'm an Aaron sorkin I still watch The West Wing. I'm going through the entire series with my older kid now. You know, I would hate watch the newsroom uh, and like, I'll still watch American president. I'll still watch like every movie that he's made. You know, I want to see um, every show that he's done. I want to watch. I watched this. I found it kind of long, kind of boring, kind of predictable. Um, I didn't feel it was very dramatic. I felt the way he shot it and like the way it looked as a director, it looked almost like an after-school special. It didn't feel like gritty Chicago 1968. It felt like what you showed in an NBC sort of, uh, you know, primetime movie of the week. That's how it looked to me. I don't know why it's getting so much love. Am I wrong, Raybon? Simon? Anyone? I just just feel like it kind of fit the bill. You know, it had... You know, it had Sasha Baron Cohen, who's also nominated for another movie. So, it had, you know, it kind of had you, you knock the actor out. You had it's Aaron Sorkin. It's about, you know, something uh, that's somewhat politically relevant even now. Uh, you know, it had some creative minds in it, pretty large cast. Um, you know, it, it kind of, it, like I said, it touched on some of the subject matter of, of Judas and the Black Messiah. So I just felt like it, it kind of captured the whole season, maybe. And I think that's why it's kind of been been a front runner. But I don't know if it's really like I'm I'm kind of with you. I don't know if it's necessarily des- as deserving as some of the other movies. I just think it kind of captures the season well. And for somebody that hasn't seen all of the movies, and let's re- even some of the critics and people that vote don't necessarily see all the movies, um, or, or and people that make the odds definitely don't. So um, I think that's kind of where we're at with with that movie. Yeah, it's it's definitely like you just said, it's going to be so interesting what's going to happen with these betting everything like we'll talk about best picture. I mean, just as a joke to me, best picture should be contagion. It's incredible how 2020 the movie contagion summed that, that year up perfectly. But I know you guys want to dive into best picture. I would love to hear your take on all this because it's so interesting how no man land is overwhelming favorite in a year <laughs> that how, how are they such a huge favorite compared to all these other movies? Bro, when, when I saw Nomadland, my first thought for Nomadland and Best Picture was, like, the first two letters. Like, no. Like, I don't – I just didn't get it, man. Like, I, I – I, when I saw Nomadland, I thought, like, Frances McDormand, I was like, okay, she could win Best Actress because she was the whole movie. Like, this was – and, you know, they're saying Chloe Zhao, the director, is like – she's, like, the biggest lock of, you know, the season, which you always got to be careful of because I, I think that was Sam Mendes – last year for, for um, 1917. And he ended up losing to uh, the director of Parasite, which also won Best Picture. So I think you got that, that could be kind of a big upset category. But for me, I just thought it didn't have enough of a plot, which was purposeful because it's supposed to make you feel like a nomad. But I just didn't think it was a Best Picture. Um, I didn't think it was Best Picture material. So for me personally, I've seen all the movies except um, I, did the, I did not see The Father. So again, that could be, that could and sound of metal. So the the two, um, and I know what sound of metal is about. Like I saw a bunch of trails, so I do want to see it. But just full disclosure, I haven't seen those. So I've seen the other uh, six. Uh, I would just kind of not looking at any odds. I would have said 
Minnery or Promising Young Woman. Like those would have been the two um, that I would have picked. Now on Gold Derby, uh, there's been 27 expert votes and they, they changed their votes right up to the time. So they may change a little again, but um, Minnery and Promising Young Woman both do have votes. So they, Minnery has three of 27 and Promising Young Woman has one. Um, since the preferential ballot, remember like the last 10 years or so, 10, 11 years, I think it was 2009, um, there's been a preferential ballot, which means you rank each pitcher. It's unlike the other categories, the way they vote. So Nomadland is going to get a lot of number one votes. But like, like you said, Simon, it's like it, it, it's kind of it's not a, it's not like a lock. So it might not get a lot of number two and threes. And what we've seen almost every year, if you look back at like the favorite and then you look at who actually won best pitcher you see the number two the number three or the number like somewhere in that that next tier but not the favorite winning like last year parasite was like the number two uh it was uh moonlight was like the, the number three a couple years ago uh the shape of water was like number two like so i think you have to consider minery and promising young woman and, and then trial the chicago seven uh, as well just because it's still in that conversation I don't know if it's deserving, but uh, I would say you, it's a must fade. Nomadland is a must fade uh, at this point because we just haven't seen that favorite win. Uh, and I think it's overrated just anyway. So you have Minnery at 14 to 1. You have Promising Young Woman at 17 to 1. And then you have Trial of Chicago 7 at 6 to 1. I think all, you, can kind of, you can kind of split your, your uh, bet among those three. And as long as the Nomadland doesn't win and it's minus 670, um, you should be profitable because it should be one of those four. Right. I like, like we're coming out of the gate hot, fading the favorite in best picture. You have to, though. And best picture, you just have to. Like, it's look back, just go on Gold Derby and just look back year by year because they'll show you the favorite, which is also the betting favorite, which will be the expert favorite, too. Every, almost every year, it, it just doesn't win. It just doesn't happen anymore. It's, and it's, it's because of that preferential ballot. Right. And you just exactly what I'm trying to say. Like, that's it's so funny how Hollywood hypes up these things where like, well, in No Man Lad, there's only three, three actors in the whole movie. Everyone else are just real people in this movie. And it's like, yeah, that's great. But you can tell when you watch that movie, it's not you know, the greatest movie. So I, I love where your head's at. I, I, I think there's really good value right now in picking one of these upsets. And let me right. and, and let me add to that real quick. A big reason No Bad Land is the favorite and, you know, precursors, right? Now, remember 1917 last year, precursors made it a favorite. What was the thing that kind of kicked that off? The Golden Globes. Golden Globes again this year, you know, they, they had their ceremony before most other, uh, you know, awards shows had their ceremony. Everyone kind of looked at the Golden Globes, like, all right, how are they going to do it during the pandemic? And then everyone went from there. So Nomad went one at the Golden Globes. But remember, the Golden Globes are like 96 people. The Oscars are like, you know, a couple like, like thousands, you know, so it's you're going from a small sample and a lot of variants to, you know, a much larger sample that's not going to behave necessarily like those voters. And it's a different balloting system. And so just like you had 1917, well, you know, they won it at the Globes and then, you know, they had some other precursors, obviously. Nomadland's in that same boat. And I think that's what a lot of times you see is just those, whatever kind of sets the bar for the Oscar season, you just kind of, the, it, you know, these aren't expert predictors. This isn't like, there's not like huge money on this the way there is on like a football game where the market is just going to even that out. You know, like it's, if they think the, the, if uh, the books come out with a bad line for the Super Bowl in those two weeks, you best believe that line is going to become efficient because it's going to get hammered 
it's not like that in the in the Oscars market. It's like whatever kind of sets that bar, it's just gonna go. It's just gonna keep going, even if it's kind of if it's not necessarily correct. So um, the the director of Nomadland, Chloe Zhao, is at minus three thirty three thousand. 335. The implied probability on her is 97.1%. Then you've got David Fincher, Lee Isaac Chung, Emerald Finelli, and uh, Fennel. Fennel and Thomas Vinterberg. So is this you gotta another one? You gotta, ch- Chad, you got to say, the, you gotta say the, the, the movies for these people because I, oh, I don't think people uh, are going to know. The David, gonna David know. Fincher did Mank. Uh, Lee Isaac Chung did Minery. Emerald Fennell did a promising young woman and Thomas Vinterberg did another round. Um, is this one where you fade as well? Because uh, Chloe Jaw is such a heavy, heavy favorite. In my opinion, absolutely. Cause well, number one, you're not betting on Chloe Zhao. If, if you think she's going to win, you're not betting minus 3,335, right? You're just not going to touch the category. But as I mentioned, this is, these are, these odds are very similar to Sam Mendez, who last year, 1917 was the favorite. Mendez was the favorite. 1917 won at the Globes. Uh, Mendez won at the Globes. This is the same situation. So I would say, if you think it's Zhao and you think it's as much of a lock, and, and, or you're just a pro nomad land, Best picture, which I, I'm not, I don't, I, I don't think we should be, but if you are, just leave it alone. I think there's definitely value just the way there's value in the best picture odds on the two films that could win best picture, because that's what happened with the upset last year. It was Ho Jung, um, forgive me if I'm not saying it right, but Bong Jung Un um, of Parasite, I believe, won this award. So I think you look at Lee Isaac Chung for Minaree at 17 to 1. And you and uh, and you look at Emerald Fennel uh, for Promising Young Woman at 20 to one, because, again, these are two like if I had just, you know, kind of took the favorites out of this, I would have said this would be a lot closer. Like, I think Chloe Zhao is definitely deserving uh, of the award, but uh, it's very possible that, uh, you know, Minnery or Promising Young Woman, given that they're in the best picture conversation and it, they were both very well directed films. Like, I don't I just don't think there's this it's this much of a walk and, and, you know, people thought of that about Mendez and, and it wasn't true. And so I think you go right back to the well. And I think you also think about parlaying. If your book lets you parlay, uh, you parlay your best picture winner. Like if you want to do Lee Isaac Chung for Minari and then um, with Minari for best picture, or you, or you do Emerald Fennel and, and then you parlay that with a promising young woman for best picture. Um, that would be just a humongous payout. Uh, so for both. So um, that's how I think that's how I'm approaching these. It's a Dogecoin payout. <laughs> it's a, it's a, a Dogecoin. Charizard payout. There we go. Charizard. Uh, I do want to get to best actress, but I actually I want that to be our last one because that's okay. the one where there is the most suspense. Whereas like you look best picture, you look best director, you look best actor. The implied probability for each one of those categories for the leading c- contender is north of 87 percent. And so let's do Best Actor because Best Actor, Chadwick Boseman for Mom Rainey's Black Bottom, he's at minus 1667, 94.3 implied probability. Uh, Anthony Hopkins for The Father. Thank you for everything. 
Riz Ahmed for The Sound of Metal, Stephen Yoon for Minery, and Gary Oldman for Mank round out the rest of the candidates uh, for Best Actor. But again, Bozeman at minus 1667, 94.3 probability. Also, the, uh, the, the Academy tends to award Oscars posthumously. Yeah, I'm not betting against Chadwick. I mean, I'm not saying bet on him. It's 1660, it's minus 1667. I think that's just a stay away. But like, that's one where I think, like, again, I haven't seen The Father. I've heard good things. I think Anthony Hopkins, you know, from whatever I've seen him in, he's always been great. Cheers. Oh, did I give everything I own for a glass of whiskey? Don't you agree? Uh, but I just don't think that's going to overcome the, su- the, the support for uh, Bozeman to win posthumously. And like I, I saw Ma-, Ma Rainey's Black Bottom and didn't think it was a great movie, but um, I think Chadwick was was good was great in it. It was just kind of an awkward movie. I think it might have played better. It was like a play or something. I don't know. It was weird. But um, that's one where I, re- I don't see the same kind of value at, on like fading a big favorite as I see on best picture, best director, because those are kind of related, right? Like those are kind of, it's whatever you think the best film is. And in in words with the best actor, you know, I just, I think it's, you know, I think a lot of people may probably think it's either Chadwick or Anthony, but because it's posthumous, I think that's why you're seeing the, you know, Chadwick. Uh, Yeah. You got, you got to go Chadwick there. Like there's, that's why I got, I, I skipped over a little bit. Cause I just, when I saw that, I'm just thinking to myself, how do they not give it to him? Everything he's done, especially for actors out there, I, it's it's got to be Chadwick. Well, then let's ask your best actress question. So who do you love, man? Like you talked about Francis. I love that value right now, plus 400 for No Man Land. It's, it feels like she's such an established actress that her and like Violet Davis, I loved her in Black Bottoms. They're both these actresses that I just see having great value right now because Viola is plus 200 and Francis is plus 400. Am I, am I crazy for just betting both of them? Let's round out. Let's round out the list though. Just so people know, Carrie Mulligan, promising young woman at plus 125, Viola Davis, Ma Rainey's black bottom plus 200, Francis McDormand, Nomadland plus 400, Andre Day, the United States versus Billy Holiday plus 600, Vanessa Kirby, pieces of a woman plus 2000, Andre Day also prominently featured in many Peloton stretching sessions. Her music, always a pleasure. By the way, shouts to Andrew Day. I uh, I got her at fifty to one to win the Globe, uh, and she did. So, nice. Yeah, shouts to Andrew Day. I Simon, I would say Francis and and I would say Andre Day is the value even over Viola Davis. Um, having seen. Billy Holiday and Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. Like, again, I thought I was very underwhelmed with Ma Rainey's Black Bottom. And I think, like, Viola Davis just didn't have as much of a part. Like, like it was, like, very, like, it was, like, I think Chadwick Boseman kind of stole the show in that in that movie. And Viola Davis, she was good, but I just, it, 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 it wasn't a better performance than Andre Day, who was, like, the whole movie of Billie Holiday. Like she, and it's kind of like Francis McDormand, like Francis McDormand was that whole movie, uh, Nomadland. So I, I like Francis a lot at, at, uh, at plus 400. And I like Andre Day, uh, who's at plus 600. Um, I think both of those have a really big shot. Um, Carrie Mulligan's kind of been the favorite, you know, throughout the season, but even on gold derby, it's a split. They have four different actresses out of the five. Uh, Carrie has 12, 
of the 27 votes right now, Viola has eight, Andre Day has five, and McDormand has two. So anytime you see uh, any, like, so with more than zero, um, they're usually in the running. Like, it's somebody with zero Gold Derby votes almost never wins um, or, or pulls an upset. But if you have at least one, then you can start kind of calculating the probabilities and, and, and you know, giving them some, some true odds. And, um, yeah, I think I, I'm going Andre Day and McDormand um, and I think this will come down to the wire too. So I, I'll be checking kind of if there's going to be any updates to, to what the experts think on this one before I lay my final bet. But um, I, I think, yeah, I, I like, I love Francis and, and I love Andra. Yeah. And I, I was just in on Viola because just seeing that movie, she, I know you were like, you said she wasn't a ton of parts, but she was just one of those where like her presence, I couldn't take my eyes off her. I just like, she was really powerful in that movie. So that was the reason I like those odds. But like you just said, I'd much rather take plus 400, plus 600 than settle on plus 200. So uh, I'm, I'll ride there on that with you. Uh, it's this, you know, what's exciting to me right now? Uh, I'm understanding why Carrie Mulligan and uh, Daniel Kaluuya, uh, who both hosted Saturday Night Live this year, and Daniel Kaluuya, who was in uh, Judas and the Black Messiah, because I had no idea. And now I know that these people were stars in big movies this year. And I'm just like, cool. These are people who are in Saturday Night Live who I'd never seen before. So this is fantastic. I'm, it's finally all coming together. Wait, 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 wait. You haven't seen Get Out? You don't remember Daniel Kaluuya from Get Out? Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> that's the, yeah, that's where kind he of- He was amazing people. in that. Yeah. And then, and then the, his wife uh, in Get Out was- uh, was this chick from Girls, that HBO show that played Marnie. So, yeah. That, yeah. Uh, 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 Allison Williams. Yes. Yes. Yeah. Brian so. Williams' daughter. Yep. That was an incredible movie. Can that win an Oscar this year? Because I've yeah. seen that and I feel like it should get another shot. It, no, it won. Um, I think it won the screenplay award. It so won it didn't best win Picture, But yeah, it did. It did pull it upset for screenplay. So, um, yeah. Great movie. Uh, all right, well, I'm definitely going to have to see Promising Young Woman now because it seems like it's an amazing movie. Yeah, check that and check Minery. Minery is real. Like, Minery could be this year's Parasite. Like, it's, 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 that, it's similarly good. Um, so I would say, yeah, though, if for anyone out there that hasn't seen any, you know, check those two out. All right, well, listen, in Actor and Actress, I, those are both heavy, heavy favorites, 83% probability for Yun Yu Jung in Minari and uh, 96% probability for Daniel Kaluuya in uh, Judas and the Black Messiah. Any value in doing upsets there? Because there, there are some other categories I want to get to where I like have, have better sort of more even probabilities. Raybon, worth picking anything, worth fading either of the uh, leading candidates in either of those categories? I think perhaps, I, I think Kui is uh, probably a lock. I think maybe um, in supporting actress, although I think, it, so it wasn't always this tilted toward uh, Yu Jung Un, and I thought she was the right choice. So I think the markets actually come around, but uh, Olivia Coleman tends to, up, you know, pull these kind of upsets. So, um, I don't hate, I don't hate, you know, taking a long shot in, in supporting actress. I have to kind of recalibrate things here. Cause I, I always, I see like on gold derby, Yu Jung Un is 24 out of the 27. Gwen Close has three um, for Hillbilly Elegy. So 
but, you know, she could be an option, but I, I still think Yu Jung Un is the right choice. So I'd, it's very, very slim chances for me. Simon, any questions for Raybon on either of those two categories? No, I'm really excited to hear what categories you're locking in on, Chad. Give me some well, value. We talked about best film editing and uh, the sound and metal. That's the only other category that has the slimmest odds with uh, sound and metal at minus 118. The other one that has slim, slim odds, and I'm talking about implied probability at 60%, minus 155, Raybon. This is best original song, Speak Now, One Night in Miami, um, which I did watch as well. Yeah, that was a pretty good movie. Um, these, these ones are always a little tougher. Um, you know, the, the, the musical ones. Right now in Gold Derby, what we're seeing is 16 of the 27 uh, experts currently have Speak Now. So that's 59%. So the market, it's so like the odds in the market are, are pretty in line. Is, uh, is, is Hushevik, is that the number two? Uh, that's three at plus 350. So that's your, there's your value because Gold Derby has that at number two with uh, about, let me calculate this to make sure I got the right number, about 37%. Uh, of the experts on Gold Derby have Hushevik, and that's their number two choice. So plus three fifty, that's like a, uh, that's only a twenty two percent. So you have you have about a fifteen percent edge there with uh, with Hushevik uh, from Eurovision Song Contest. I, I I honestly have no idea what that is. Oh my uh, god, I saw it. Yeah, what what is? It? Oh yeah, I did it. It was uh, I think it was Will Ferrell and Rachel. Uh, is her name McAdams? Rachel, who she was in uh, 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 Wedding Crashers, I think. Yeah, so it's like uh, Eurovision was this old, it was like American Idol before American Idol. So Will uh, Ferrell's wife, I guess she's Swedish. Um, so she got him all into it and he made a whole thing about it. It was like him as like a, a pop singer. So it, it's definitely pretty, uh, Pretty funny, but the whole idea of Eurovision, like ABBA, all these old bands from the 70s, 80s came Eurovision. I will say that I wanted it to be so good. And there were moments where I, it's like one of those movies where you're waiting to laugh, waiting to laugh, keep hoping it's amazing. Yeah. Will Ferrell will have a couple of moments where you're like, this is going to be it. This is going to be it. And it sort of never. Reaches no, the, it never reaches no. the high notes. Will, Will's had a rough. He's had a rough run here, Will. He hasn't made a funny movie, and it feels like a long time. I mean, I didn't hate Anchorman 2. That's honestly his last, like, funny movie he's put out in probably seven to eight years. Yeah, I was about to say, I mean, I just think it's been, and it maybe surprisingly, given that, you know, I, I think there's a lot of material, but I feel like comedy movies in general haven't been as up to snuff as I would like as a comedy fan. Like, I really haven't found a lot of movies that I'm like, oh, this is so funny. Like, you got to see it. You know, it's just kind of like, ah, okay, a few laughs, move on. Well, it was it wasn't terrible year. We had um, Palm Springs, Andy Samberg's that. movie. Yep, that that was pretty good. funny. And he's not everyone's cup of tea, but on uh, <laughs> Eric Andre just put a movie out called Bad Trip. I saw that um, too. I wasn't. I thought that was a, it was like eh, it was like okay. But I get what you're saying. Exactly. It's, kind of, yeah. it's like it, it felt like uh, like the guy who did it, Jeff Tremaine. He's the guy who did Jackass. So I had if you're a Jackass fan, it's a good movie. But like I tried showing someone a little older than me. He was just like, this is so stupid. I can't watch another five minutes. So I'm with you, man. Comedy is just died. I don't know if it's people blame the woke era. I think it's just a different time of writing comedy because you can be funny without being a sexist or a racist. 
And I just think that's just a lame excuse. Like there is still humor out there. It's just different. Like I enjoyed Ted Lasso, but I wouldn't say that was the funniest show I've seen all year. But like, it's just different the way humor is nowadays for sure. I, I think definitely you know, agree. With it. Yeah, if you know what I think it is, it's you can definitely be funny without being sexist or racist. But I think it's harder to be funny when you're scared that you're gonna be con- you're perceived as a sexist or a racist. Because like even shows like yeah, I'm a big Family Guy fan. Um, you know, ha- always have been, and like just seeing the jokes this season, they're just so tame compared to you know, when the show is in its heyday. And I just feel like it's because the writers are kind of worried about, you know, not, you know, not just doing things that offend, but even, you know, doing things that may be perceived a certain way. So it's, yeah, I think there's definitely, the era is definitely kind of contributing to it. Well, what's really interesting though, is the movies that are nominated for best picture, Nomadland, Trial of Chicago 7, Minery, Promising Young Woman, Mank, Judas and the Black Messiah, Sound of Metal, The Father. Um, a lot of those movies, they were made probably and they were scripted, bought, cast, assigned and in production. A lot of them before a lot of what we've all experienced in the past 12 months, whether it be the social justice movement, whether it be being shut down for COVID, whether it be about um, the, the Me Too movement, all of that stuff. Um, and yet they are out now, even Nomadland, you could, you could prescribe and ascribe some of these values, sort of the idea of being left behind, the idea of being forgotten, that, that section of society that is the have not that is trying to figure it out and doesn't get to take advantage of everything that is offered for people who have all those things. Um, They all existed in the atmosphere and were being produced long before these things came to the fore. Now I do think sometimes that's why these movies get elevated is because they are what people are talking about and they're reflective of what's happening in society. And the fact there's no comedies that's just a bummer, man, because those movies are what we need to see and what we need to have to be lifting us up right now. Yeah. But I mean, going back to the, so the Eurovision song contest, the, I just made a great speech and you're going back to Will Ferrell. I mean, no, it's a comedy. It's, it's what we're talking about. You wanted value, right? So the, not only is it their value, about 15% value based on the experts, but if you look at the editors and there's only 11, so it's a smaller sample size. So I don't always like include them in the models as, as heavily when I'm building them, but it's just a note, eight of the 11 editors uh, actually pick Hushevik from Eurovision song contest. So it's over, it's the overwhelming favorite amongst the editors, the people that kind of, you know, uh, write on this, site that predicts movie awards every year. And then it's also showing value in terms of the experts. So, I mean, that's, there's your pick, you know, for, for best song. There's your pick. For All right. There you go. Then th- let me wrap it up then. Simon, you got any questions on that? No, I'm taking it all in. I'm, I'm like blown away how much he knows about the Oscars. It's unbelievable, right? It is. Uh, all right. So for best picture, what we're probably going to do is try to package our money across trial of Chicago seven Minery promising young woman, because we are going to go a heavy, heavy fade on Nomadland. For best director, we probably are going to pass on that one because we do think uh, Chloe Zhao is probably the right choice, but we might take a little bit of a taste on Lee Isaac Chung for Minery. 
Did I capture that accurately, Ray? Yeah, and, and Emerald Fennel. Like I think the two the two best picture contenders. Um, you want to take a, a little bit of peace on if you, if you do want to bet this category, and you if you can parlay parlay the like Chung with Min- Minery for best picture and parlay Fennel with Promising Young Woman because again last year we saw Mendez the big favorite with 1917 and ends up being Parasite and Wong Jung Un wins director. So um, I think that's certainly possible in this preferential ballot era best actor we're skipping because we all believe it's chadwick boseman there is no fading best actress carrie mulligan this is probably the most interesting category on the entire board carrie mulligan plus 125 but viola davis uh francis mcdormand and rayban you think uh, Andre Day might be worth a little bit of uh, a play given her success with the Globes and, uh, you know, past his prologue and these things. Yeah, like, I mean, just watching all the movies and, and Carrie Mulligan was was great, too. But I mean, I would say Andre Day or, or Francis to me was like was the best actress. So now it's just a matter of, you know, you know, care is, you know, because I think promising young women, I think they want to give it something. And I, sometimes they do kind of get into those politics. You know, maybe that's it. But um, this one has been wide open again. Andre Day won it like as like the fifth most likely one. The last the least likely one she won at the Globes. Um, you know, we've seen the precursors kind of split around a little bit. Viola Davis is still in contention, you know, like as Simon mentioned. So um, this is definitely one where. I think you want to look at an underdog. And even if you if, if you like Carrie, I mean, she's plus money right now. Um, I mean, I, I think there's better values there. But yeah, this is this is definitely one of the betting categories, the, the, the better ones to bet. All right. And then finally, our two wild cards. Best original song go with Husevik plus 350. Husevik from Eurovision Song Contest starring Will Ferrell. And then best editing, our friend Simon Hunter likes the sound of metal at minus 118. Guys, I think we've given people what they need. That's what I can say about that. This has been the favorites from the Volume Network. The Volume is now on YouTube. We'll be uploading new episodes and clips daily, including some past interviews and moments from all of our shows. Go subscribe to our YouTube channel at youtube.com backslash the volume. I am Chad Millman for Simon Hunter for Chris Raybon. Download us from Apple Podcasts, from Spotify, wherever you get your podcast. Listen to us on Thursday for the Thunderdome edition. Until then, love you. Love you.